This is an SJC Radio production. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to episode 14 of season 6 of Pit Stop. Today it is just myself and Joe. Hello Joe. Hello sir. Um, it's been a long time hasn't it? It has. And people might be wondering why it's just just the two of us. Um, the, the, reason, yeah. the reason for that is that uh, we've got a new way of recording these podcasts and the, the technology is all very new to me. I'm not quite used to it yet. So I just thought it'd be really easy, but easier on me if it was just myself and and one. And next week, uh, I think we'll have Finn back and we'll probably have Max and everybody else. Um, now, yeah. now, we're not doing this in person. Joe, where are you at the moment? So I'm, in, I'm at home at the minute. That's in Emsworth, isn't it? And you are at home, I guess. I am. I am in sort of between Fairham and Wickham. Now, um, our listeners may or may not be aware that our school, St. John's, closed uh, in the the end of the, the, the summer term. So we're all now, all of us are, are at different sort of places. So, Joe, where different are you? So I'm, a, I'm at Wright School on the Isle of Wight. On the Isle of Wight. Now, can you tell us something about your the way you get to school because you're not a boarder there are you no no no. so i'm a day student uh and every day i i get the hovercraft to school which is quite a novelty it is isn't it now now you say you get the hovercraft but how do you get from emsworth to the hovercraft so normally because i get the the 8am hover it's before my parents start working so normally they're able to drop me off but sometimes i have to get the the train down so sometimes it's so sometimes it will be a train followed by a hover And when you're on the other side, yeah. uh, uh, just to walk up. Wow, that's that's quite a commute, isn't it? It is. It is. It's not as radical as you first think, though, because sometimes I wake up uh, later than some people in my form who really? live on the other side of the island. Really? Because traffic traffic on the island is notoriously pretty pretty poor. Okay. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I'm really enjoying it. And it's so, going it's great. going well. And of course, you're in the rugby team, yeah. aren't you? Of course. Yes, I, I saw you there at the uh, PGS yeah, game. Yeah, the PGS game. You, you were injured Tokyo in that. PGS. What's that, sorry? Tokyo PGS, that's where uh, Ed Gold. Are you, are you still in contact with Ed? Yes. Have yeah, you got, yeah. you have to give me Ed's email address so I can invite him next week. Will be. Brilliant. Right, okay, so let's let's get on to uh, all things motorsport related. Um, is there any news uh, in the Formula One world? 
there's probably lots. I mean, obviously, there's been an awful lot of news since we last spoke, but anything sort of recent? So I thought we'd just go over the uh, driver lineup. Yeah. Because that's changed. And also, have you heard the Porsche news? No. Tell me all about it. Not Porsche, sorry. Audi. Well, yeah, Audi, yeah, yeah. Audi. I'd have been concerned so if. Audi and Sauber uh, in 2026. And this is. Team. And this is a new team. Uh, I think so. So we're talking. So it's, a bit, it's a bit strange. I'm not but, sure if it'll be a merger with Sauber or if it'll be a new team with Sauber. We're not sure yet. Because when I say a new team, are we talking about two extra cars on the grid here? I think so. I think so. But I'll come back to you when I know. Yeah. That'll probably be next week or probably even later because yeah, it's yeah. 2026. Yeah. Oh, 2026. Uh, yeah, that's when they're scheduled to join. Oh, wow. That that seems that, yeah, that's a long time in the future, isn't it? What about um, Daniel Ricciardo? What's going on with him? Well, that's my next point. Good. So I think he'll be he'll be in a reserve spot for 2023. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the grid, so Alfa Romeo are unchanged. Yeah. Uh, as are Ferrari, as are Mercedes and Red Bull, and then everyone else changes. Okay. So, uh, Nicholas Latifi is being <laughs> replaced by Logan Sargent from Formula 2. About time too, who, yeah. No, no surprise uh, there. Who Ed will be acquainted with. Um, Oscar Piastri is coming up to replace Daniel Ricciardo. There's a yep. fiasco yeah. about that earlier on in the season. Yeah. Uh, Mick Schumacher still hasn't been confirmed, but with Ricciardo, I think, has turned down the Hassi. seat. Yeah. Or before he was offered it, I don't think he was ever going to go. Yeah. Pierre Gasly is replacing Fernando Alonso, and Fernando Alonso is replacing Vettel. Oh, yes, of course, yes. yes yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, Aston Martin will be Stroll Alonso, who collided at the yeah. Grand Prix. Oh, yes, they did, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> and then Alpine are going for an all-French lineup with Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon. Yeah. And then finally, Alpha Tauri, Nick De Vries, and Yuki Tsunoda. Yeah, okay. Well, there's quite a bit of change. One. Which is a funny one, because that is obviously a uh, XF Formula 2 winner under the Mercedes programme. Yeah. And it's not like Red Bull have no juniors in Formula 2. Uh, and they've gone with Nick De Vries over any of theirs. Yeah, that, that is interesting, isn't it? That is interesting. So there's quite a few changes then for next year in terms of yeah. sort of drivers sort of moving around. And, and it's good to have some new drivers as well. Because there isn't, yeah, it, is. it is definitely. I think one of the issues that Formula One has is that once you get to Formula Two, and maybe you, you know, if you win the Formula Two championship, it's not automatic that you go up to Formula One. And yeah. it seems that when you get to Formula Two, drive a lot of the drivers reach a dead end. They branch out into Formula E, or they go to GT or sports car racing. But they, in my opinion, that that there's not enough movement from Formula 2 up to Formula 1 yeah it's because, probably because there's only 20 seats isn't yeah. it and you've I'm, already got some very talented people in those 20 seats yeah I mean I mean, in the old days you know um, you used to have you know 26 you used to have 26 cars on the grid but also you've got you've got drivers now my brother calls them bed blockers people like Alonso I, I, I think there should be some um, maximum age cap in Formula 1 I would I would suggest once I would say thirty five would be a maximum age in Formula One, because once you're in your forties, 
obviously a long term. Get rid of Lewis Hamilton, sir. Well, fine, fine, fine. But once you're in your, how old's Hamilton? Thirty-seven, and Vettel is thirty-five. Well, Vettel's retired, isn't he? Of course. So there we go. Yeah. So Vettel's retired at thirty-five. I think thirty-five would be a good cut-off because once you get to your mid to late thirties, um, you might be as fast as you used to be, but you're not. But you're not going to take the risk that you you that 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 you might have taken when you were in your early twenties. That that competitive spirit naturally reduces with age. So yes, Alonso is still a very talented driver, but. Does he still have the same will to win that he had when he was in his 20s? I doubt that. And I think you're better off getting younger drivers in. Um, that That's just what I think. Do, do you do you agree with that, Joe, or not? Do you have a different opinion? Uh, I think if you're good enough, you should be allowed to. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind if you're seven. I don't mind if you're 77. Yeah. Although I do get the idea about having a constant turd tip will keeps it more interesting. I mean, but do, do you think Alonso is as keen to win as he was? I, I I just think he just really enjoys driving Formula One cars. That's the impression I get of the people who are in their 30s. The only reason why they don't retire is because they really, really enjoy it. They, they love doing yeah. it. Because um, they necessarily want to win. Because, but they don't, yeah, they, they, they I think they enjoy it more. Uh, and they're and they're quite happy, sort of, you know. With you know, Alonso is probably very happy if he gets a fourth place finish. Um, but that that yeah, that that's just that's my opinion anyway. But I I would, I just think if you had an age cap at thirty five, there'd be a lot more movement from Formula Two to Formula One, and therefore more movement from Formula Three to Formula Two. I just think it would, I just think it make the whole thing better actually. It's an interesting idea. It is. It's yes. Uh... It, yeah. Moving on to this week in F one. Yes. With the Grand Prix. Yes, you're gonna okay, I I did I watch the six minute highlights on YouTube? I kind of did. I've got to be honest, Joe, my interest in Formula One is is at an all time low. Okay, well, was this season certainly hasn't been as exciting as no. the last season, has it? Was the US Grand Prix worth watching? Well, actually, in contrast to the season as a whole, it did fail to impress us. Really? Um, and you're watching it, and you reach sort of lap sort of 28, 30, yeah. and you thought, oh, it's going to peter out, you know, halfway in. Yeah. Um, was this due to... Because obviously it's, it was uh, big braking zones, quite a bumpy track, yeah. and also it's very windy, which caused a few... Um, Issues with spins. aeros, yeah. So uh, Bottas spun, which created a safety car at the start of the uh, relative start of the lap, uh, and then it all just kept on going from that. It was a very very enjoyable race. So Sainz got pole, but then at the first corner, Russell um, dive bomb right into his side pod, which put um, Sainz out for the race. And Russell only got a five second time penalty, which didn't really affect him at all. I was disappointed uh, by Sainz being knocked out in the first corner because. Um, I was given a free bet by one of the betting companies, I think it's £5, and I put it on, I thought, well, Sainz is on pole, I put it on him. So I was a personally a bit disappointed by that. And <laughs> <laughs> um, then lap 22, obviously we've already alluded to it, but the Alonso Stroll crash. Yeah. Where, uh, well, I think well, it's very lucky, really, wasn't it? I thought Stroll, uh, thought Alonso, sorry, was going to uh, go airborne. What's, really. your, what's your take on that crash? Who's to blame for that? 
Either get stroke. So he, yeah. he, he moved too late. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, there's an incredible recovery by Fernando Alonso because uh, he still finished seventh. Yeah, but, but, but with obviously a car that wasn't in perfect condition. No. Yes, which is very well, and also shame for Stroll actually as well because Aston seemed to have some some real pace for, probably for the first time this season. Didn't Vettel get a good finish? Yes. He did too. I think he was P7. I That's think. good. Good. I'm um, pleased with that. Now, um, wasn't it a bit Hamilton. of... Yes. Hamilton was disappointed, but he said, despite not winning, he thought it was his best race of the season. Uh, and afterwards, because he felt he did nothing wrong. Yeah. It was just the car that just let him down that way. And he says, when I get that car, we are going to challenge him. Well, okay. So obviously, obviously, planning on sticking around for a few more years, if not one more year. Yeah. So, um, uh, but uh, also, yeah, which made it interesting is Verstappen had an eleven-second stop. That's it. Made the race close. Yeah. A nice stop. There was a nice little battle. So, Hamlin Verstappen. Without that eleven-second stop, Verstappen would have won very comfortably, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. And also, that eleven-second stop made the battle go on until lap fifty. Uh, which was very good because that was pretty much the end of the race. Oh, that's good. Okay, so I can see that there was, for once, there was a, a Grand Prix where there was interest throughout the race. Yes. Uh, new regulations really coming into play as well. They have done throughout the season. Racing's a lot closer, but it was very hard for the Mercedes to, to keep up with the Red Bulls. Yeah. Uh, because even down the straight, uh, let's say Mercedes had DRS and Red Bull didn't, it still didn't seem to be that much of an advantage. Gosh, no, and the straight in Austin is quite long, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah. it is. But Ripple just seemed to be pulling away from Mercedes, who who had DRS. Oh, that, that's um, in, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And, uh, that that race secured Red Bull's constructors. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that's that's Austin, really. That's Austin all yeah. wrapped up onto Mexico. And we'll talk about Mexico at the end because that's really the only the the only sort of. Um, a big event going on this weekend. Well, we'll go on to much yeah. more interesting things, Joe. Uh, we'll talk about MotoGP. Now, there's been quite a few races um, between our last recording and the current one. Um, the weekend just gone, we had the Malaysian uh, MotoGP at Sepang. I'm going to mention briefly the previous weekend. It was the Australian round at Phillip Island, uh, mainly because it was the best race of the season. Phillip Island is a fast-flowing circuit, always produces great racing. Uh, the MotoGP uh, was won by, well, Alex Rins on a Suzuki, and I don't think anybody saw that coming. Now, Suzuki, Joe, you're probably aware of the fact that Suzuki are closing down the end of the season. So, right. a bit like... Uh, Suzuki are a bit like St. John's. You know, imagine how what it was like for us in the summer term at the start of the summer term it was announced that st john's was closing you know you had to look for a new school all the teachers like myself had to look for new jobs and we and we sort of carried on you know working so knowing the end of term the school that we love so much was going to be no more now obviously the the, the, the team members and the riders at suzuki have been in that same position all season you know, knowing that in two weeks time that's it um, so the riders have had to find um, 
alternate seats. They managed to do that. In terms of the, the other team members, the mechanics, I don't, some of them I imagine would have got jobs. Some of them you know, might not have jobs lined up. The, the race was what we call a bit like a Moto3 race. There was quite a large pack of riders together. And that's because Phillip Island having lots of fast corners, it's quite hard on tyre wear. And so the bikers, so the riders had to you know, sort of conserve their tyres throughout the race. And I think Rins and the Suzuki are particularly good at that. And it came down, the last few laps was a battle between Bagnaya, Rins and Marquez. Uh, and the decisive move was made on the last lap, actually. I think Bagnaya was leading going to the last lap, but um, I think Rins and Marquez both got by me on that last lap. Um, yeah, it was just a, just a really exciting race. And what's also good is that Mark Marquez is, is back and is fully competitive. Um, he had a few months off, well, more than a few months off, um, having uh, surgery on his arm to get it fixed properly. Because when he came back last year, as it turns out, it wasn't fully fixed. Um, so now he's fully fit and he's really competitive. Um, so it means, you know, next year, um, it's going to be a really competitive year next year. And I think probably Marquez might start the season off as favourite. So fantastic race two weeks ago now we've just had the malaysian round i'll just talk about moto three first that was the best moto three race of the season it was won by the scott john mcphee fantastic last lap john mcphee started 22nd on the grid and um yeah and he it took him quite a long time to catch up with the leading group um but it's a very exciting last lap probably his best ever moto three win so that was really good Moto2 was extraordinary. It wasn't the most exciting Moto2 race, but the last lap was very dramatic because the Moto2 Championship, uh, going into that round, um, Oyogura had, I think it was a, I, I can't, well, he, he'd just taken the um, lead of the championship over from uh, Augusto Fernandez. Agura was in second place going to the last lap. Fernandez, I think, was in, I think he was in fourth place. Um, yeah, I think he was in fourth place. Oh, no, he was in fifth place. So this meant that, this meant that had Agura stayed in second, Fernandez in fifth, Agura would have a very comfortable lead going into the last round in Valencia. He basically had the championship wrapped up. What did Agura do on the last lap, Joe? I don't know. He crashed. He, went, he crashed. He went for a crazy move. Uh, I think it was at... Was it turn nine? I think it was It was turn nine. Uh, he went for a move that was never on. And he crashed. So he had a, obviously a DNF. Uh, this means Fernandez finished fourth. Which means now Fernandez is back in the lead of the championship. So Agura basically threw away the championship on the last lap second place would have been perfect and he went for this crazy maneuver on arbolino uh which was never on obviously arbolino won the race but i think it just goes to show how much how the pressure can get to these riders um it was a very uncharacteristic move by uh agura and he is basically he had it in the bag and he blew it in a crazy uh attempt at overtaking which he didn't need to do so that was extraordinary 
Um, MotoGP, yeah, quite a good race. Uh, that was won by Bagnaya. He's got the championship in the bag. He took the championship lead, I think, was it last time out? Cotteraro's had a terrible run recently. Uh, but uh, yeah, Bagnaya, good battle between Bagnaya and Bastianini. Bastianini had an opportunity to take the lead, actually, on that last lap. And he, funny enough, he, he tried uh, to go around the outside of outbreak uh, around the outside of turn nine, which was never on. I think it was a half-hearted attempt. Bastianini is, is going to the factory team next year. And I, th I think he decided, although he'd overtaken Bagnaya uh, at least once during the race, I think on that last lap, he realised the best thing for him to do was to stay in second place. So I think it was a half-hearted half, half attempt at taking the lead. I think he knew it was the best thing uh, for him to do to stay in second place. Because if he were to yeah. take the... If he were, if he, if he were to, to win that race and then Bagnaya loses the championship in Spain, the team would, his future employers would be rather unhappy with him. So I, I think he, he saw sense on that last time. So hold on, it's better for me, for my my future to, to stay in second place. So, but it was a good race. Brilliant race by Quattrovaro. Quattrovaro's had a terrible run of form since the mid-season break. He had, guess how big, Joe, um, Quattrovaro's lead over Bagnaia was after the German Moto GP round. Well, he's now at 235 points. Yeah. yeah. And Bagnaia's at 258. Yeah. We go so back to. I'm going to guess he had a 70 point lead. No. He had a 91 point lead. <laughs> now, that, that's not a 91 point championship lead because he was, at that stage, he was about 30 odd points ahead of um, Alicia Spargaro. But he had a 91 point lead over Bagnaia. So Bagnaia has overcome a 91-point lead in the, in the second half of the season. And he's got the championship. Blimey. He's got the championship in the bag. I mean, at Valencia, Bagnaia needs to... In order for um, Quattroaro to win the championship, Quattroaro, I think, needs to win, and Bagnaia needs to non-finish. That's not going to happen. Right. Um, so it's, it's pretty much done and dusted. So, yeah, it's been a, a very eventful couple of weeks uh, in MotoGP. Um Oh, yeah. Also, honourable mentions in Sepang to um, Morbidelli, who, has, who is Quattro's teammate, who's been uncompetitive all season. He's a really good rider, Franco Morbidelli, but he's been, he's been nowhere all year. And actually, for the, for, for the first time this year, he was competitive. Um, he was up there in free practice. He was up there in qualifying. Um, a few incidents in the race. Um, in fact, I think I did a double long lap penalty, actually. But um, I was reading about it this morning, why Morbidelli was, was um, competitive. And it's all to do with riding styles. I think Morbidelli is a very smooth rider. Quattrovaro is, is very aggressive. And Morbidelli, I think, he's, I think he's made a few changes to his bike to enable him to, to ride in a more aggressive style. Um, and that's really good because next year there are, there are only two Yamahas on the grid next year. And it's really important that that Quattrovaro has a competitive teammate. Because in MotoGP you've got, Bagnaia's got seven other Ducatis who you can kind of, you can kind of help him. So let, let's take Bezeki for example, who's on one of the 
VR46 Ducatis. Now, Bezeki is best, best mates with Bagnaya. If we go back to the Dutch race earlier in the season, Bezeki finished second behind Bagnaya. There was no way Bezeki was going to attempt to overtake Bagnaya because A, they're best mates, and, uh, um, you know, Bezeki's on a customer Ducati, and he knows the best thing for his future it might be that Bezeki becomes a factory rider in a few years' time, is to stay behind the factory rider. So Bagnaya has had... He's got seven other Ducatis out there to kind of help him. Quattuaro's been entirely on his own. There are three other Yamahas this year, but the R and F team aren't competitive enough, and Morbidelli on the other factory bike hasn't been competitive either. So we need Morbidelli to be competitive next year, if you know Quattuaro is 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 to is to stand a chance of winning the championship, basically. So that that was really good news. Right. Okay. So, Joe, do we have a over to you now? Have you got a, a sort of a question or a? I've got two new two new top, talking topics. Excellent. Yeah, go for it. What is it? What, what have we got? So I've got a hot I've got a hot take of the week and a question of the week. Which one would you like first? Let's go with this new one. The the hot take of the week. My hot take is Williams are a good team and being held back by the Mercedes engine. Oh, I like this. So so, so uh, you're making a statement. This is a bit like the history essays that we used to do um, where you make a statement and then you have to sort of discuss whether you agree that statement or not. Yes. And so, it's often going to be a controversial one. Well, I've got a good one for next week, actually. No, probably the week after next. I've got a good one. So okay. can, can you repeat your statement? My hot take of the week is Williams are a good team and are being held back by the Mercedes engine. Now we've seen this in sort of low, where power tracks is, is not so, where power, on, on tracks where power is, is not so much of a necessity. Yeah. Like Monaco and like Zandvoort where Williams have, Williams have competed and, and done relatively well. Yeah. Um, but uh, although you, you could argue that, that maybe the Mercedes engine does help them because obviously they did well in Monza, which is very ah. power heavy. So that, that would be your counter argument. Now, when we do, when we used to do these history essays, um, we used to start off by uh, talking about arguments in support of the statement. So your argument in saying that Williams are held back by the engine is that you're saying that at, at circuits where um, sort of top end speed wasn't quite so important that Williams were far more competitive yeah okay yeah and uh, and also are they a good team well, well of course they are because you look at the history of the team look at their championship successes over the years they are one of the most successful teams in, in Formula 1 aren't they yes my question of the week oh. will be much more to see um my question of the week is how many elite drivers oh hold on are actually can, can I pause today? you can I pause you there Joe Joe yeah. can I pause you I'll just delete that bit out um, now we have, we've got to look now at arguments against the statement so oh, okay okay so an argument you, that bit out and then we'll come back that's to fine. question later on yeah well you've already you said that at Monza that Williams were competitive at Monza yes so, so that could that could rule, rule that out yeah but the mercedes engine is, is not as competitive yeah. as the ferrari or as the um 
Red Bull. Yeah, but you can also look at the driver lineup as well, can't you? Because Nicholas Latifi, he is clearly a weak link in that team, isn't he? Um, when De Vries came in, actually for the Monza race, he he was he was very very competitive. And that was their best result of the year, wasn't it, at Monza? Yes, it was with De Vries. But so that's because that's because they had De Vries in the car. Yeah. So actually, you could argue that. Uh, okay, the Mercedes engine might not be as strong as the the other engines, but you could argue that their driver lineup um, is perhaps a weak link. Perhaps. You so argue that again, going back to this sort of history essay type thing, in our conclusion, you might say that you partially agree with the statement. Um, however, there are perhaps other factors um, affecting Williams' competitiveness. I, I guess another one, Joe, could be budget. Yeah, that's a big thing in today's Formula One, isn't it? It is, isn't it? So you might see, you, you might say, okay, that it, it, the Mercedes might not be the most competitive engine, but there there are probably some other factors uh, which account for the relative lack of competitiveness. Yeah, I yeah. like that. I like that. Well, I've got one for a couple of weeks' time. When all the kind of racing is finished, I, I've got a good one already lined up. Um quite a controversial statement I'm sure one which you'll have fairly strong opinions about right back to you Joe that's what we want good yeah that's absolutely yeah and so question of the week also is going to be quite a juicy one uh, how many elite drivers are there actually on the grid today and I'm talking uh, elite well that that's a very good question isn't it because I, I imagine a lot of people will say well hold on if they're in Formula 1 they, they, they must all be elite and therefore the answer would be 20 but of course, Formula One, you haven't necessarily got the twenty most talented drivers in the sport, have you? What you? I'm talking about. I'm talking the elite of the elite, so the very best of the yeah. Race. But what, 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 what I'm saying, okay, maybe I'm answering a, t- a slightly different question here. What, what I'm saying is, those twenty Formula One drivers aren't necessarily the best twenty single-seater drivers in the world. What they are is the twenty best financed drivers in the world we know that for yeah. a fact so out of those 20 drivers how many i guess you could say deserve to be there on merit perhaps that's another way but perhaps that's a slight rephasing of your i, I want the i want the elite i want the, the best well you obviously got verstappen obviously when you say the elite we're talking about all time all time greats I'm saying people that would fit in and if there was an all-time grid wouldn't do too bad. Right, so you're saying that the drivers who would who would um, be on a grid of the all-time best Formula 1 drivers. Or if they were on that grid, they wouldn't be outclassed or they yeah. wouldn't be too, too terrible. I've got four names. Actually, in, in MotoGP, they used to use the term aliens to describe riders who were just a class above everybody else. So, okay, so who are the Formula One aliens at present? Okay, well, tell me I've who got, you've I've got. got. I've got three names that I'm pretty pretty convinced yeah. by and one that I'm happy to have a debate about. Yeah. So, Verstappen. Yeah. Hamilton. Yeah. And Alonso. Ah. Uh, and the one I'm happy... The yeah. one I'm happy to have a debate about is Leclerc. 
Right. I, I, it's the Alonso one again, isn't it? I would say, you know, the Alonso of maybe 15 years ago, yes. But he is 30... How old is he again? 30... He's 41. He's 41. Well, I would say he's now too old for that. Um, because I think if you put Alonso in a Red Bull, I don't think he would dominate. Simply because of his age. So, that's interesting. I mean, I, I, okay, who would I say are the aliens in Formula 1? Verstappen. Yeah. It's very difficult in Formula One, when we're talking about Formula One, to come up with a list of aliens or, or elites because, of course, so much depends on their machinery because some people might say, well, hold on, you can't say that Hamilton is an elite anymore because he hasn't won any races. But Hamilton is probably uh, driving better than he than he's ever driven before. But his car isn't as competitive uh, as yeah. previous uh, Mercedes cars. So... It, it 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 it's very difficult, isn't it, to do this? Because, well, Verstappen. I'm going to go with that's my answer. Verstappen, that's it. Wow. Because I think because I, I the reason why I just go for Verstappen is because I think, again, this might be a bit unfair, but I think he's getting more out of that car than his teammate. But then again, it might be in that team. Well, he, he clearly has number one status, doesn't he? So that that's yeah. clearly in his favour. Um, yeah, I'm, I, that's going to be my final answer, uh, actually. Uh, because if um, the likes of Leclerc and Sainz and Hamilton and Russell were aliens or elites, inverted commas, then they would have won races this year. So I'm just going to say, for me, it's only Verstappen. I'm not saying I'm right, by the way. That that's just that's just what I'm thinking. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good. That's a really good question. That Joe. It's much easier um, to talk about the elites or the aliens in MotoGP at the moment. Uh, Mar Marquez is still an alien. Uh, because he actually won a race last year when he wasn't fully fit. Who else is in that category? Um, Quattararo, obviously. Now, the reason why um, Marquez and Quattararo, the reason why they're what we call aliens or elites is because they are competitive on bikes which other riders are not competitive on. So there's four Yamaha riders Quattararo is the only one to have won races this year on the Yamaha and the others are miles back. Marquez uh, on a Honda, on this year's Honda, uh, Marquez is competitive on that. All the other Honda riders are not competitive on that bike. So this is why um, Marquez and Quattararo are definitely elites. And I guess you'd have to put Bagnaia uh, in that category as well. So for me, I think it's just the three of them. Um, yeah. It's an easier question to answer, MotoGP, because a rider can make, as we've seen with Quattuaro and Marquez, a rider can make a big difference. Um, so the Yamaha is not a competitive bike, yet Quattuaro has won three or four races on that bike this year. In Formula One, 
that the driver can't make the difference. Hamilton has not been able to win with the Mercedes. So his ability has 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 not been able to to make that slightly less competitive Mercedes into a race winner. Whereas your elites or aliens in MotoGP can do that. Your Marquez, he can win on yeah. a Honda. Quattro can win on a um, Yamaha. Now, Bagnaia happens to be on the best bike, so his job is much, much easier. Bagnaia's job will be much harder next year when you've got a competitive Marquez back. back. So uh, that that was an excellent question. I like that question, Joe. Really good. Yeah, that, good. that was excellent. But right. that's, that's the end of my input for this Well, week. that was really good. So coming up this weekend, I'm sure yeah. there's lots of motorsport on, but in terms of the events that we talk about, it's just the it's Mexican Grand Prix, isn't it? Yes. It's Mexico. Um, so I guess we're expecting a... I'd be Well, I'd be surprised if we see anything other than a Red Bull win. Obviously, uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't. Now, I've got a question for you, Joe. Um, is there any interest left in in Formula One this year? I mean, is there anything to be decided in these last few races? Uh, no, I'm just watching it because I enjoy watching F1, not because I'm enjoying who's yeah. going to win or, or things but like that. But is there a battle for second in the championship or third? Or I don't think so. I no. think Paris has got it secured, as has um, Leclerc. So it might be battle for fourth place then. Um, well, here we are. So Verstappen's on three hundred and ninety-one points. Yeah. And actually, I was completely wrong. So make sure you edit that one out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because Leclerc is on two hundred and sixty-seven. Yeah. And Perez behind him is on two hundred and sixty-five. Ah, there we go. And what about behind him? Uh, 2.18. Right, so... How many races are there left? Formula 1 season seems to go on forever. After Mexico? What's after Mexico? Uh, There's Mexico, Brazil, and then Abu Dhabi. Right, so... Okay, so there is some interest left. Uh, It's the battle for second place. I wonder whether, uh, as the championship is wrapped up, whether Verstappen might actually help um, Perez take that second in the championship yes what you think you might assist him yeah yeah, yeah. that would be quite nice yeah. oh by the way has Verstappen broken the record for the number of victories in the season or has he just equaled it yeah so right now he's level uh, Verstappen's victory for the team was in his 13th of the season yeah which ties the record set by Schumacher in 04 and Vettel in 2013. Yeah, he'll he'll beat that record, won't he? He's got three races to do it in. I'm sure he'll he'll do that. Yeah. yeah. That's all for this week's show. So it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from Jack. This was an SJC production. The presenters were Joe and Nick, and it was edited and produced by Nick. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop with Mr. Bird. There's a few new things I want to make you aware of. We've got a new website, which you can find by going online to shows.acast.com forward slash pitstop, where you can also find links to our Twitter and uh, on the about page, more information about the hosts as well. We're also on lots more platforms in addition to where you're listening to us now. So we're now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music and lots more, as well as TuneIn like we've been on since we started so head over to those platforms to subscribe on the most convenient one for you and find all our back catalogue of episodes to listen to again as well